This week on Inside Motorsport with Daniel Ricciardo winning a Formula 1 Grand Prix in Azerbaijan, I thought we'd catch up with Lachlan Mansell to speak Formula 1. For Daniel Ricciardo, the chequered flag is there. He wins the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And I hope you'll stay with us here on Inside Motorsport. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport. Formula One is close to your heart. Well, no better time to talk Formula One than after an Australian has a victory. And what a race, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Of course, the second time they've raced there, but the, the first time it's been called the Azerbaijan Formula One Grand Prix. Yeah, because last year, which was the first year they held it, it was described as the European Grand Prix. But I'll tell you what, it was well worth staying up for it on Sunday night slash Monday morning, wasn't it? A drama-filled race with controversy involving the two championship contenders. And in the end, an emphatic victory, the first one of the season for our own Daniel Ricciardo. First laps he's led this season. Yeah, and it was weird because he was actually down well outside the top 10 after a early pit stop to clear some debris out of one of his brake ducts but the way that the strategies played out and the fact that so many of the front-running contenders managed to eliminate themselves through a variety of mechanical dramas and driving errors meant that he was able to fight his way through to the lead ultimately wouldn't they challenge from there thanks to fox sports here's what he had to say to david coulthard following the race did i think then i would win today absolutely not i would have put all, all my money on it that this was very unlikely but uh yeah crazy race this is this is the race we expected last year with all the safety cars and all the chaos and uh, we we got it this year a remarkable event all round on a track that has got its critics, but gee, it did produce some interesting racing and it was a track that was probably more unforgiving than Monaco. The difference between Monaco and Azerbaijan is that at Monaco, the speeds are a lot lower. Yes, it's a concrete canyon and yes, there's no margin for error, but because you are travelling relatively slowly the chances of having a big incident are not as high. Azerbaijan has a very long main straight in particular and some quite high-speed corners. So if you get it wrong, you're not going to have a small incident. And not only that, but there's not a lot of room for cars to run side by side or to overtake. So a lot of the incidents that we saw on the weekend were born out of overtaking manoeuvres that went wrong. We saw one on the very first lap of the race when Valtteri Bottas and Kimi Raikkonen came together. And then a bit later on, the two Force India drivers, Sergio Perez and Esteban Ocon, managed to take each other out while they were in podium contention. And then, of course, the most controversial incident of the race was between the two title contenders, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, when Vettel pulled up alongside Hamilton and appeared to swerve into the side of Hamilton's car and that earned Vettel a 10-second stop-go penalty. And Hamilton had to come in for an unscheduled pit stop as well because his headrest was coming loose. And all of that allowed Daniel Ricciardo to move through to the lead and he went on to take victory. And what we also saw was Lance Stroll in the Williams getting up as high as second position at one stage and only just missing out on finishing second right at the end when Valtteri Bottas overtook him on the finish line. So I'll tell you what, coming into the weekend, there would have been some pretty high or long odds on 
that podium, Ricardo ahead of Bottas, ahead of Lance Stroll. I don't think too many people would have predicted that. Now, I think Lance Stroll just turned 18 or maybe 19 in the last week. And he was out at the Circuit of the Americas in the uh, break between races, running around in a 2014 spec Williams, just to get some more laps in a Formula One car. And And for Lance Stroll, it really is all about seat time because he's come straight out of Formula 3. So to jump straight out of F3 into F1, there's a massive jump. He hasn't gone through the likes of Formula 2 or the Japanese Super Formula Series or some of those other classes that have got performance that are a bit closer to Formula 1 cars. So for him, it's all about getting as much time as he can in cars that have got equivalent performance to F1 cars and not the opportunity to test current spec F1 cars. But I don't think budget's really an issue for Lance Stroll because his father's a very successful Canadian businessman. So to take that option of running in a 2014 car was probably a pretty sensible one to get him some seat time in a F1 spec car. This year is marked by Liberty Media's ownership of Formula One and it has been, uh, in my view, a very successful transition. Especially from a PR perspective, Craig, some of the stuff that they've been doing is absolutely fantastic and would have been unheard of in the Bernie Eggleston era. There's been some great online social media clips. We saw that amazing scene at the Spanish Grand Prix where there was the young kid who broke down in tears after his hero, Kimi Raikkonen, retired on the first lap of the race and... Formula One management saw that as a golden opportunity to get some positive coverage by taking the boy down to the pits and uh, introducing him to the Ferrari team and to Kimi. And, you know, that went viral all around the world. So Liberty Media seemed a lot more au fait with how to make the most of social media in particular, which is a breath of fresh air compared to what we had under the previous regime. Part of the decision-making process, of course, is uh, for supercars to get points-paying races at Melbourne. That was definitely a a positive step as well and a long time coming, it has to be said. I I think the next thing that they need to do is get the racing right because everything they're doing off the track so far, five stars. But on the track, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix aside, some of the racing that we've seen this year has been rather processional. So the next thing, and this will fall into the domain of Ross Braun, who's going to be overseeing the technical and the sporting side of Formula One, will be to get the technical regulations for the next update of the cars right to promote closer and more competitive racing rather than the processions that we've seen on too many occasions this year where the cars can't follow each other closely which makes it too difficult for the drivers to overtake. Yeah, these are the new spec cars that were supposed to promote more overtaking. So it's it's sort of uh, been an expensive transition to the same outcome. And the problem is because the cars that we've got this year are new for this year, it's going to be a little while before we can have another substantial overhaul of the technical regulations. So in that regard, we'll just have to be patient, but... I have confidence that Ross Braun and his team will go through the necessary processes to make sure that whatever the tech regs are for the next cars, they get it right. Now, for Daniel Ricciardo, what is this win going to mean? And then, is there going to be any lasting penalties, perhaps, for Vettel or even uh, Hamilton? Because Hamilton, quite interestingly, on the radio has been very vocal and he's not been talking to the team. He's been talking directly to Charlie Whiting, the uh, race director. 
Yeah, that was a very revealing bit of radio chat that they played, wasn't it, where he directly addressed Charlie Whiting and said, you know that penalty's not enough. But from what I understand, there's not going to be any further penalties for Vettel. He cops the 10-second stop-go, and he also got three points on his licence, which if you get up to a certain number of points, I think it's 12, you get yourself a one-race suspension. So... Um, in, in my opinion, the penalty probably wasn't enough. I, I think to deliberately drive into another competitor under safety car conditions, which is what appeared to have happened, warranted a bit more than what Vettel got. But anyway, the stewards have made their decision and they have access to more information and more data than what you or I have. So it'll probably just be play on from now on, I mm. guess. Well, as Robbie Gordon found out, if you do it on a public road and break the law, the penalties can be quite stiff and far stiffer than a 10-second stop-go. Yeah, and interesting that you raised that incident because I think one of the worst things about Vettel's actions, apart from the fact that it's completely out of order to do something like that on a racetrack, it's also not setting a good example for motorists in the way they should be behaving on public roads either. So... You know, motorsport is about promoting road safety, and that definitely wasn't promoting safe driving. Lachlan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you on Inside Motorsport and and, uh, look forward to chatting to you again throughout the year. Cheers, Craig. Thanks for having me. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.